Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David and I'm here this week with Rob. Hello. Jamie. Curry. James. Hello. And Alistair. A very sweltering good evening to you. Yeah, it's too yes, fucking hot now. Yes, still, still too warm, but we will persevere. So we have a couple of little stories to go through this week as per usual, and then we will enter the diseased main palace of Rob and see what fun he's been having. Hooray! Yeah. I, lo- I, lo- I love to visit friends. <laughs> it's just it's another example of um, someone sent Rob an article that he probably shouldn't have read, and then a week later he's kind of like shivering and throwing ten pages of show notes at me. <laughs> <laughs> so to be I, fair, I, I do DM you and keep screaming at you for with like what I find while tunneling towards the Earth's, the Earth's core. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, the the DMs are just a one-way stream of fucking miserable stories. It, it, right, so I used to think that Rob was like a Cthulhu protagonist, like slowly going mad, and I realised that no, David is the HP Lovecraft protagonist, right? Because he's the one who's getting the dire warnings and portents from Rob, right? Who is the NPC mm. who's like going mad and just like losing their mind and like, you know, the non-point-of-view character <laughs> who's just going to... by Italians. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Does it involve military procurement? Because that could actually be on brand. I would like to point out right now that my cat has a normal name that you can see. Um, <laughs> oh, so that's so unfortunate. <laughs> so shall we get into the the news? Yeah, um, let's so get into it. We last week finished up the recording, um, and we watched the interview between Piers Morgan and Keir Starmer. I say between because there was no like discernible yeah, direction speak, of anything speak for of yourselves. it. Yeah, some of <laughs> yeah. some of us had better things to do, like not bludging ourselves psychically. But the rest of us um, sat and watched that in the Discord with a few of our patrons, and the resounding consensus was that the only thing anyone learned was that death follows the man around like a shadow. <laughs> and that's not a reference to Peter Mandelson. Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, you know, Tony Blair. You, you could sort of, you could sort of use that as a pitch for you should subscribe to the, the Patreon, and then you'll come to enjoy fun times with us on the Discord. But you know what I mean. Unless, <laughs> yeah, unless I mean, next fun, week fun we're going to do like the Cannonball Run or something instead. I, I don't really think it's that much of a fucking draw. <laughs> do, do we do we want to advertise like copyright infringement and BBC license contravention in our we episode? We didn't do any of that because we all watched it on our own devices at the same time. And you can't prove otherwise. Correct. Um, yeah, so it was pointless. It was a bit of a shit show. It felt like a wasted um, effort from Starmer's team. Nobody, no one could really have got anything from him that was that humanising. Wait, I thought he was a top bloke. That's what I learned. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it because, you know, even I. Um, but, yeah, that's I learned that he was really humanised. We'd be over here in the cool kids' corner, Rob. We, we didn't we didn't watch any of that square bullshit. <laughs> so tell us, I mean, how, no, how was the dog cooker QC? I, I've <laughs> got to say, I've got to say, square bullshit is exactly what Kiyostama was serving up during that episode. Oh, I can well imagine, like. I, my main takeaway from it, it, genuinely, was just the audience felt like they were sort of... You know how, like, a, a, a child, 
you know, of about four years old or so, you know, like a niece or whatever, they'll 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 have that like little fake teapot and they'll decide they want to open a cafe or something. And they come and they ask you for your order and you're like, oh, I'd like a cup of tea and a slice of toast. And they go away and they bring you like a plastic, you know, little cup that's got nothing in it and like a, a you know fake bit of Lego as a bit of toast or something like that. And you're all like, oh, thank you very much. And you pretend to pay them and like you you know you do the whole thing because they're just playing along and you just smile and. That was the audience's reaction to Kia Starmer in the interview, like laughing along in that kind of, oh, we're just, you know, humoring them kind of way. That, that, it was really eerie, genuinely eerie. Even his wife felt like she was humoring him with that whole thing. None of it was felt authentic on, was at all. Was she on stage at some point or was this just like, were there cutesy home movie shots? They didn't have a second kitchen, did they, the bastards? <laughs> no, they, they, had her in, <laughs> they had her in the audience and they were cutting to her, essentially. Um, oh, and yeah. getting reactions, it was it was, it was so bad. Like genuinely, like I, I think there's time I lost in that. It felt like it was I lost more time than was actually spent watching it. So I she... don't know if you got this experience, David, but I, I definitely felt like I went into it and spent an X amount of time, and I lost an extra hour that can't be accounted for. Was his wife in the audience just to refute that, like Tim Shipman tweet, or? was Jenny Chapman on stage holding his hand (laughs) I didn't see the whole thing but um, I got the impression they were trying to humanise Keir Starmer and so I'm assuming in that case that in order to humanise him they played the most humanistic video clip of him that exists which is him getting extremely frustrated with a woman over a floppy disk did they play that? I didn't know I don't think they did no I don't even know if I've seen that well, so they really so fucking you didn't, missed you the didn't truth watch, there. You didn't watch it either. Uh, well, I, I, I could only dip into the um, Patreon so special Dave, stream David's, for a little David's bit. really oversold this when he said we. <clears throat> <laughs> Listen, most of us were there for some of the time, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be real with you, Jamie. When you said, no, fuck this, I'm off to buy ice cream from a big Tesco, you absolutely 100% made the right call, and we all know it. But we committed to this, so we sat through it, we white-knuckled it, and even then, there's only so much of that shit you can watch before your brain starts to liquefy and dribble out your ears. I've got to say, two ad breaks worth of that shit was more than enough. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it was it was as bad as we expected, it was as pointless as we expected. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I read some of the reactions after, and the, like one of the big takes of that the thing that supposedly humanised uh, Keith is that he teared up a little bit while talking about his mum and like that was supposed to be a great moment of journalism and I'm like if you ask someone live on stage you'll know about like how their mum died quite horribly last year during a pandemic and whether or not that was any good it's like are you surprised you're gonna get a reaction like that's not great journalism like that's just prodding with a stick like get the fuck out of here can I just, I'm going to say, I'm going to be the bastard who says it bluntly. I didn't find his tears that convincing, personally. Like, Were they more I, or less convincing than Matt Hancock uh, definitely not laughing about hundreds of thousands of deaths? Uh, it was, know, it was more of an effort than that, but even then, that's yeah. such a low bar to clear. I don't think it, it felt, really bears it, it felt. It felt very performative. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. It felt very performative. As someone who's lost both their parents, right? Um, it genuinely, it felt like he was forcing them. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm just being very uncharitable, but if I'm coming away thinking that, having watched it, then it's not succeeded in its objective of humanising him, essentially. I mean, I think, so, I, think, yeah. I think that's something that we can broadly all agree on, is that it didn't change anyone's mind who had sort of already made up their mind by this point. Yeah. 
which is more or less everyone. I mean, yeah, I saw a few. I yeah. saw one take that I thought uh, had already had it right. Unfortunately, I can't remember whose it was. But uh, they basically said if this had been shown like shortly after or shortly before it became leader, then maybe it would have actually had some kind of impact or like some kind of equivalent appropriate to the time. Well, I, let's, I, I, no, mm. let's not be unfair. It did have an impact. They lost a couple of points in a recent poll that happened after <laughs> yes. the interview. So, like, yeah, it had they an impact. Not that. the one they were looking for, but there you go. Did, they, uh, but, did Piers Morgan ask him about the, all the times he personally pardoned Jimmy Savile? <laughs> no, because I know no, that's a hot topic um, issue with with voters. By voters, I mean Dave. You know what I mean? Just like loads of blocks <laughs> called Dave up and down the country who are all just rushing to Facebook to go, "Oh, fucking pardon Jimmy Savile." Yeah, no. Unfortunately, um, Baz was a, a severely underrepresented. Then what was the fucking point? We all know. Well, we all know. It. Red wall racists are the only people in this country that fucking vote. Do you know what I mean? So yes, you're not, uh, you're not doing true, anything yeah. to appeal directly to them. Then what? 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 What are you even fucking playing at? <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Genuinely, what was the fucking point? Has he done, any, no... has he done any hate crimes? You know, the, the fucking the Euros, <laughs> Euros twenty twenty one have started. Keith, you better get fucking going. In a, in, a, in a shock political stunt, Keith is going to say the N word live on air. <laughs> Honestly, we're two months out for out from that, Alistair. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they did have a whole bunch of stuff where it was like, let's talk about a thing which happened, which people think is progressive, and also Keo was alive at the time. They did that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not that Keo was involved in any way, shape, or form, but oh, it was the time of this event that's vaguely left, and you want to associate <laughs> our guy with. And also, Keo was around, and it's like you know, okay, <laughs> clunk. The thing is, like, genuinely, I watched that, and there was no single moment, not a single fucking moment during it, I went. All right, fair enough. You know, there was no moment where I looked at it and went, well, he might be a total bastard, but at least in this limited section, it's like, fair enough. There was nothing. There was nothing there. There was no humanizing moment in it at all. And I'll be blunt. I've seen shit like this for other worse people. And I know like worse than Kiyostama. Like, you know, I've seen, I've seen stuff which has covered like members of royal family, um, American celebrities who are completely fucking awful. And at least there's been some moments where you've been like, oh, okay, fair enough. There wasn't anything like that. There wasn't anything like that for Keith. Purely for comparison, uh, James, was it worse or better than the uh, Prince Andrew interview? Who came off more human? <laughs> uh, actually, right now, I'm going to justify this. Presumably, can sweat. I think we can deduce that at least. Okay, so I'm going to make a statement on this, and I want to I issue a clarification in advance for the benefit of our editor, David, right? <laughs> I am in no way, shape, or form comparing Keir Starmer to Prince Andrew in the context of being a nonce. I am not saying Keir Starmer is a nonce when I say what follows. I genuinely thought Prince Andrew came off more human. Disgusting, <laughs> but more human. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prince Andrew at least had a look of panic behind yes. his eyes. <laughs> he, he looked like he was genuinely engaging with his own mortality in real time. Whereas uh, Keir Starmer still felt like a robot. Like, there's nothing else for it. Yeah, but Keith, yeah. Keith won't be able to like grapple with his own mortality until they upgrade his RAM. <laughs> Until they bring out their next version of AI Dungeon. So overall, was it better <laughs> or worse than when uh, like Piers Morgan's life stories had General Pinochet on? <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to follow that with. Let's move I, on. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was um, one robot let loose. Um, shall we? Shall we look at another robot that was let yeah, loose? Yeah, more robots. Um, to ill effect. Is your is your audio going to go wrong again? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, this is uh, this is the the delightful Kargu Two quadcopter, um, which is a military drone, um, and it is probably the first time in recorded history that it autonomously, i.e., without instruction, attacked somebody and killed oh, for somebody. Fuck's sake. Uh, Skynet, it's good to see you. <laughs> Just in time. <laughs> yes. Just in time for the for the cool zone to for you to enter the cool zone. Skynet. I mean, at this point, <clears throat> could we genuinely say that nuclear annihilation isn't a better outcome i mean I, i'm looking forward to the scenario where skynet comes awake and is like i've looked at the human race they disgust me the only appropriate response is to get rid of wait why are you guys priming the nukes for me it's like what's what, excuse, <laughs> hang on you're upgrading my ram after i've told you i'm killing you what the fuck is like i like the idea that even skynet would be so creeped out by how suicidal the human race is at this point you see the thing with the thing with skynet is though like terminator 2 was written before like everyone had the web do you know what i mean <laughs> like if you built if you built skynet today i mean aside from the fact that it wouldn't fucking work because ai is a sham but if you built <laughs> skynet today it would just like fucking delete itself after a week do you know what I mean? You'd like, oh, we've plugged it into Twitter, and it'd just be like, no, oh, fuck that. Do you know what you I mean? You fuckers are on your own. <laughs> every, every time every time they link it up to some kind of weapon system, it fires at it itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same, TBH. Uh, no, so the, this, this drone, which is like built for anti-personnel and anti-terrorism purposes, attacked um, a, a soldier <laughs> fighting like the in... distinction there. <laughs> yeah, um, but not only did it attack a, a, a soldier fighting in the Libyan civil war, you know, after we pacified that country and made a democracy out of it, um, mm. but he, the soldier apparently in the video was trying to retreat, so he was running away from the combat, and the drone is a suicide bomber, so it dove down on it, then exploded itself, uh, killing the guy. Well, I mean, we just established why it would be doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, these things, I watched like the, the sales pitch video of it. It's like a minute long and it's extremely fucking f- freaky. <laughs> like, and now a word from the drone sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> extremely no, like, extremely freaky, like the sex shit in it. <laughs> no, I mean, you can see it like it literally like dives down on like a group of mannequins standing in a field and it just explodes and like the it, it, i think it's got like paint in it or something so you can see like where the shrapnel hit and like all the mannequins just like covered in red paint it's extremely <laughs> yeah, and, you're, and you're watching the video and you think there's definitely no subtext here <laughs> mm. i've got to say there's a uh there's a video someone made a few years back now called i think it's Killbots, um which was warning about this shit um it's a little like short drama showing a future where autonomous killing drones are just like widespread and that fucking i will i will admit i saw it and i looked at it and i thought this is actually fucking terrifying and it's me it was made explicitly as a propaganda piece to warn people about exactly this and now we've had the first instance of it i'm like well the future looks fucking great because in that video which i think we might link actually from the end of this episode um mm-hmm. it, it has them being used to suppress political dissidents and people are having to live in buildings um, that are secured against these things. Because um, basically, like, a couple of guys pull up a, a van somewhere on the outskirts of a city, open it, release 500 of these things, and they they go to a university campus and just start murdering all the students on the campus who are like politically opposed to the government. It's really quite... 
yeah, like it's well done, it's freaky, and it drives home just how crazy this shit is potentially yeah. going to get. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we'd love to be in the future. There's no point warning anyone about anything ever. Do you know what I mean? Like the entirety <laughs> of science fiction is just a waste of everyone's time. It's always like, oh yeah, we, we subtly hinted that like in the future everyone will go, oh lives aren't worth anything, just kill like a million. And it's like no one cares. Do you know what I mean? They're all just too. They're all just too busy doing racism, watching the football. Like, have they built have they built a drone that'll boo people who are taking a knee for Black Lives Matter? Because if they haven't, then like fucking Dave and Baz don't give a shit. <laughs> well, so I think I think even the people who do read this shit, and I'll be honest, I don't think Dave or fucking Baz read fucking science fiction. But even the people who do, I think the majority of them just go, "Ha, huh, what a jolly jape!" And that's there's no critical thinking, there's no engagement, there's no projection or consideration. It's just like it's just what a nice story essentially i mean coming back to like that 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 film you were mentioning uh james like th- this is not the first time but apparently a couple of years ago the the un actually tried to get like a panel together to establish some kind of rules about autonomous killbots uh but fortunately the well, that, that, that would have made that would have made a world of difference well, I mean, like you at least you'd have people some kind of baseline. People listen to the but... fucking UN, don't they? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, they they can if there is consensus. The, Ameri- right, yeah. the, the Security Council. It. Yeah, the Americans. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, they, you could like yeah. get the um, UN to write a resolution saying that you shouldn't ever like fucking. Do you know what I mean? Dissolve people with like nanobots, <laughs> and the Americans would be like, "Oh, well, we haven't got that technology yet, but we'll veto it just in case." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they did that. The so, Americans and the Russians did veto <clears throat> that commission, so no, it never went anywhere. Oh, for fuck's I mean, sake, like. I mean, Futurama clearly, <laughs> Futurama clearly has it right with like a predefined kill limit for each bot. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I can't wait until like 20 years time when like fucking we're having like you know what I mean. The government's passing anti-terror legislation because like people are, are like buying those like you know the drone that fucking like like uh bricked heathrow airport for like a weekend or whatever wasn't that, <laughs> people, didn't that drone turn out not to exist i don't know but people are buying like you know those little like drones you can get off amazon and just sellotape knives to the front of them and then like chasing <laughs> people down the street for like terrorism and the, and the government's like oh, two was a predictive we'll game have to get, we'll have to get rid of the fucking drones and vans and like fuck you know everything else that's uh, like knives you you just have to like fucking like think really hard when you want to chop carrots in your kitchen do you know david you just got me thinking in half-life 2 there's like a uh, like one of the things in the background is apparently a field being projected that prevents humans from reproducing i just realized that that is basically the fucking internet and twitter and all the pressures of a modern life it just it just makes people sick of this shit so yeah great okay yeah love to be in the half-life 2 future (laughs) who's gonna be the guy in the citadel that's what i want to know Oh, it's going to be Matt Hancock, isn't it? Probably is. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is the only correct answer. It's going to be fucking curveball, Willie Rennie. Nah, <laughs> only for Willie Rennie. Slide. I'm sorry, Willie Rennie is Gordon Freeman. Changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, the hovercraft the like the buggy yeah that's definitely he's doing jam. all the protagonist shit right clearly it's clearly it's set up you know uh, it's, it's not even just that he's a silent protagonist as well because yes. no one ever knows what he said. Exactly, right? <laughs> Cracked it. <laughs> oh, right, shall we move on from this um, piece of military equipment that kills people the wrong way and talk about another piece of military equipment that um, will probably kill people the wrong way? Um, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the F-35 and Britain's amazing aircraft carrier fleet, um, which were 
prime examples of how great the UK's defense and armed forces essentially are. And um, I found another one for you to talk about, which may be even more functional than our aircraft carriers. And I hope um, we make even more friends as a result of talking about this. Today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to say for the record, you said a couple of weeks ago we talked about this. Know, Time really is a fucking illusion. <laughs> like It literally was, I think, three months ago now. Seriously? Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the flat <laughs> circle, motherfuckers. We're back on talking yeah. about military shit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, before I get started, two quick uh, shout-outs. The first one is to uh, Scott, one of our Patreon members who put us essentially on the scent by linking a very brief story in The Telegraph that I've spun out into many pages of show notes because I've lost my mind again. Um, <laughs> and the other one is to the website and blog thinkdefense.co.uk who did a very multi-multi-page history of a lot of the stuff I'm covering uh, in essentially he wrote, he or she wrote more than 115,000 words of post-war history of UK armoured vehicles, of which I've read about half, I would say. TLDR, Dreadnoughts are back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is something like primarily cool about a gun, like a boat, just big guns on it. And like, I can respect that, but this all this aircraft carrier shit, miss miss me with that. When you say big guns, I'm picturing like you know, like muscles, just the boat. Yeah, so my brain went to the same place. I'm just picturing a ship flexing on someone. How else is it meant to get through the ocean? Because none of these fucking engines work. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So, but this time we're staying on land, um, and I'll tell you the story of how the Britain tried but failed multiple times in a row to acquire a new medium armor vehicle, essentially an APC. Oh, is this that fucking Command and Conquer cutscene you linked the other day? Yes. Is, is this is this like the is this the UK version of the Bradley fighting vehicle? Yes, it is exactly that. But it worse. almost is, but in a wilder way. Oh, I am here for this. Let's go. Um, so this is the story of what the same vehicle, which subsequently will be named first the Future Rapid Effect System, then the Scout SV, and then the Ajax Fighting Vehicle Platform. They're all the same thing. They just go through different names. And I'll give you a little bit of the punchline first. This is from a House of Commons uh, report written, I think, this year. Between 1997 and late 2020, with a few very small exemptions, the Department of Defense have not delivered a single new armored vehicle from the Corps Procurement Program into operational service with the Army. And this is the story about what the fuck went went on there. Sounds like they need more ore miners, if you ask me. Yeah. (laughs) So hang on, for 23 years, they've been trying and failing to build a not tank. Yes. Yes. Someone should tell them if they build more factories, the tank produces faster. Yeah. Simply build more pylons. They, yeah. keep, like, they keep sitting in front of blueprints and they're like, oh yeah, we'll just put this and that and that and the other thing on it. And they're just accidentally turning like a heavily armoured Humvee I'm, into I'm a tank. The Ministry of Defence was... paying like Matt Hancock's barber like £11 billion to like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like solve procurement for them, and they just get back a piece of paper with "you require more Vespine gas." <laughs> <laughs> right. So, please join me, would you all, in a I'm what is I promise you a abbreviated history, but will probably take up a vast majority of the rest of this podcast. Um, anyway, so join me in 1998 um, when it's Tony Blair's government. 
and it's the end of the Cold War, and the army is asking itself, um, and it's also the time of the Yugoslavia interventions, uh, and the army is asking itself, what do we need and what is the future of war fighting? Uh, they identify the need of a, uh, a, a new fleet of medium-weight armored vehicles. So this is essentially, think APCs. That's the thing you want to keep in mind. They're definitely not tanks, but they're way better armored and they have tracks unlike Jeeps and Land Rovers and that kind of shit. Um, so I, I'm, I'm confused, Rob. I thought war never changes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, war doesn't change, but the thinking about it just goes in very slow circles, as will become apparent throughout this story. Um, Six Semper tank. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 sake, David. <laughs> That's what's, it's all going to boil down to David's has somehow wormed his way in here. And he just like, have you considered putting a big barrel on it? Uh, well, well, we'll talk about the barrels in a bit. Um, <laughs> D- David's, David's happy with it as long as it's got a big red star on it. <laughs> yes, largely yes. That that's the prerequisite to my happiness. Right. So the the thinking behind the new order, uh, which would become the future rapid effect system, is they want like a medium weight thing that can be airlifted in and out quite quickly to do like peacekeeping shit. Essentially, they want to fl- fight the war in Yugoslavia again, and that's what this right. thing is is designed for. Uh, they also need a new system because the current generation is like 30, 20, 30 years old, and it's just running out. Of, it's it's just falling apart. Uh, at the time, this was going to be the biggest uh, defense order placed by the United Kingdom at a total value of thirteen billion pounds. Uh, it was envisioned to the start of the process of actually building the things would start in two thousand four, and they would start to roll off the factory line in two thousand ten. The idea was, and that this is a theme that's going to continue going on throughout this episode, is you would have the same basic platform, so like a tracked APC type thing, uh, but you could both different things on top and on the side to create different variants, um, personnel carriers, scouts, uh, command vehicles, engineering vehicles, all that kind of stuff. This sounds like the like origin story of every single fucking terrible idea that like military procurement has ever had. Yeah, they, yes. they all, it, it's cutting corners in really weird ways where they just want one thing to do everything and they just can't reconcile themselves to the idea that some things just need to be specialist. They just yes. don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> um, so th- this is also the start of the internet age. So they're all meant to be network enabled and they're supposed to be able to fly on planes and um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet of things, but for warfare. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Yeah, and also in 1998, so they all got which, like all those uh, which, AOL one-hour free internet discs. Which Command and Conquer game is it where you can like build hackers and they just like like fucking hack the enemy tanks? Because uh, uh, Command and Conquer Generals that yeah. was a fucking oh, amazing game. Let's Can't be like, wait until say. like people are like, do you know what I mean? Kids are just fucking like bricking fucking tanks from half the world <laughs> away. You know what I mean? This is like the quickest move. So we're moving from 1998 to 2006. So already two years overdue. Um, the start of production. The MOD finally announces that they have agreed with the contractors that that there's going to be a development. Um, This, by the way, is the same design and production system that they've thought up that that in the end will also create our new carrier fleet. So, you know, much to to live up to. (laughs) Sorry, did you say this is meant to be designed for Yugoslavia? Uh, for for the Yugoslavia war, yeah, and it's still not yeah, done I- in two thousand six. <laughs> well, it's also like okay, actually, it's not even. Sorry, let me be, be clear. The design phase and like the initial like test models aren't done in two thousand six. 
I wonder if anything has happened between the years 1998 and 2006. Well, like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here, right, I'm, with a couple little notes. Note one, it's not specifically about Yugoslavia, right? The thought is, oh, this is Britain's role in the world is to do peacekeeping missions, i.e. maintain the international order status quo. That's what they thought would happen post-communism. We've won, we just need to stay on top. So it's like building stuff to do a Yugoslavia is kind of like where their minds are at. Number two, part, something that this glosses over is that the reason, one of the reasons it takes so long to do the procurement and all the rest of it is to figure out who will build it, because we have since the 1980s completely gutted our industrial capacity. Yep. And so a large part of it is, well, who can actually build this? Who has the skill set? Because it's all very good to say we're going to create these new jobs, but if you don't have a culture that has skilled workers who are able to do the work and train others, then you, creating the jobs isn't as easy as that, because you've got this whole got to train people and bring them yeah. up to speed and I all mean, that kind of shit. And that's it's just very not there. true. In, in this same period, a whole bunch of the traditional UK arms manufacturers, including Vickers, um, either go bankrupt or are taken over mm-hmm. by either BAE Systems or General Dynamic or Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. General Dynamic and, B- and Lockheed Martin being American, BAE being, of course, our homegrown terrorist organization. Um, so anyway, back to 2006, uh, the... We're finally on the way. We're going to build some of these things. And um, the defense industry also promises that there will be 10,000 new jobs in the UK building the future, uh, rapid, there it is. future rapid effect system. All right. So we're going now going to 2008. Uh, so we've now wasted 133 million quid and there's absolutely nothing to show for it. There's no, uh, there's no future rapid effect system. There's nothing that's been rolled off the production line. Nothing's been done. Um, and having wasted this money and 10 years, um, the future rapid effect system is unceremoniously binned, um, appearing in front of the House of Commons Defence Select Committee at the time. The Chief of Staff admits the f- this programme has been a total fiasco. The former Defence Chief John Hutton at the time says, um, 10 years into it, we still haven't got a single working vehicle. Uh, this Love is it. simultaneously underscored by the National Audit Office, um, which notes, among other things, this is these will all be recurring themes, that the Department of Defense's reluctance to compromise in setting technologically demanding standards under its acquisition process has put timely and cost-effective delivery of equipment at risk, and the Department of Defense is also incapable of resource management and managing a standard acquisition process. So let me get this straight. The last part, they're just incapable of actually managing their resources to do yes. an acquisition process. What's that first part mean? The department's reluctance to compromise in setting technologically demanding requirements under its acquisition process. Does that so, mean they're asking for too much? Yeah, they're yeah. asking for very shiny future things is the problem. Yeah, um, they want uh, a network-enabled hyper-brigade with, uh, uh, you know, of, of APCs made of unobtainium, and the defense industry goes, yeah, we can't do that. And then they say, yeah, but you've got to build one anyway. Mm. Or we could do that, but it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than you're offering. Therefore, exactly. Yeah, I do, yeah. I do like the idea of like a Wi-Fi enabled tank because you could just or, or not tank as in the, as the case may be, uh, because as we know, like you put something on a network, someone's got access to it. Like it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, I still don't understand why it's networked. Like, do you know what I mean? Like uh, because then, like, you can send real-time data about the battlefield and where the other people's tanks are, and, like, they can communicate yeah, with each other. Do they, they, they not just do that anyway? Like, I actually know the reason. I've just, I've got it. It's went crack ping in my head, and it's all come together. Back in 1998, there was a guy 
working in a department of defense who had these cool ideas on what he wanted to see in the future. And he read a lot of Tom Clancy, which is really crucial for reasons that will be clear in a minute. And then the MOD picked him up, but they were taking too long to realize him. So he jumped ship and he changed industries and he got hired by Ubisoft. And that guy went on to make watchdogs. <laughs> right? Tom Clancy background, Ubisoft, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi enabled tanks. It's all there. He's I trying to create his vision of the future. We're just not there yet. Can I just say as well, future rapid effect system, is that what they were calling it? Yep. Yeah, uh, that sounds like yes. a band from the 80s, like Yaz and the Future Rapid Effect System or something like that. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, you know, again, this is a colossal failure. We're 10 years in, we've wasted over 100 million pounds, and literally nothing's been produced a bunch, apart from a whole bunch of reports and PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, like, but we've, all had, we've all had jobs that we fucked before, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's good to know I'm doing we, one right now. Trying to, just, <laughs> trying, to, trying to build the tank the night before it's ready. <laughs> Sorry, sir. The dog ate my tank. <laughs> Just fucking like pushing it like a pile of like badly assembled Lego down Whitehall in like on the, on the morning. <laughs> I'm just picturing like they bring the interns into the office and go, so we got a very good first day for you. Yeah, what is it? Well, tomorrow we're we're going to be previewing our new tank. Excellent, right? So what do you want? What would you want me to do? Like run through the test or you know diagnostics? Or, no, no, we want you to make the tank. Just like that's. That's the level of professionalism. Picturing, picturing a bunch of a bunch of contractors now, like the the day before their big meeting when they're meant to present the scale model, just ransacking Jerry Anderson's house, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find like the prototype for Thunderbird Six or something like that. Like, there's got to be something in here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, towards the end, they do actually present a working prototype and it is more amazing than you think is possible after 20 plus years of development is it, is it a big is it a big green blimp thing that drops a submarine out of the middle <laughs> no it's, it's, it's even better that shit's amazing like <laughs> oh I miss Thunderbirds yeah. I too wish it was 1998 again uh, anyway, but but it's not it's now 2010 and according to the initial estimate the first of the Previous generation, the future rapid effect system, should have been rolling off the assembly line. Again, we have nothing. So by this time, we're, of course, fighting wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Sorry, we're peacekeeping and bringing democracy. Um, And do you remember around this time, there was a lot of these stories about, like, UK soldiers getting their legs blown off because they were driving around in, like, Land Rovers and stuff that didn't have any armor to them, and they kept being blown up by IEDs? Mm -hmm. That's, That's not fair. There was some armor strapped to them. Loosely, yeah, with yeah, they, they, yeah, they found like uh, on the roadside. Is that is that armor or additional shrapnel, David? <laughs> Sometimes both. That would be an ecumenical matter. <laughs> I'm just picturing when you said there it was supposed to be rolling off the production line. I'm picturing like a supervisor going like yelling at some guy. Like, this is supposed to be rolling off the fucking production line, and the designer's like, "Shit, I didn't know it was supposed to roll." Um, so I'll read it again from the House of Commons Defence Committee report from 2021 which by the way has the amazing title obsolescent and outgunned the British Army Armoured British Army Armoured Vehicle Capability just you know as a good headline obsolescent and outgunned the British Army just stop there the worst prodigy (laughs) album ever So because we don't have like a new generation of of, uh, APCs, we go into these two countries with 
Land Rovers, essentially. Um, quoting from the report now, in lieu of having a medium weight class of vehicles, British forces had to fall back on the use of much lighter vehicles, such as lightly armored Land Rovers, for example, the Snatch series of vehicles, which had previously been used in a public order role in Northern Ireland. Oh, good. So, so you know, we, we took our, our occupational vehicles uh, from Northern Ireland and we put them in the desert. And now, now just picturing members of Al-Qaeda kind of just quietly rolling along the road, mu- you know, mumbling and whistling to, well, my old man's approval, Parker, <laughs> you know, just as he's going along the road. It could be, wor- it could be worse, though, because you said snatch vehicles. They could have involved Guy Ritchie somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the House of Commons, also the same report, estimates that at least 35 UK soldiers are killed because they're using outdated, non-functioning, non-IED-proof vehicles like these Land Rovers. So, you know, these things do have consequences in real life. Um, yes, because we yeah, have- um, just, yeah. And it's like, it's one of these prime examples of the, the British Army and the Ministry of Defence taking fucking ages to finally get a solution in place. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with the SA-80 as a, as a rifle. Um, so that's, it's the... It's it's just the bog standard rifle that's given out to troops in the British is that Army. The, um, is that the one that looks like it was built like as some sort of Masters of the Universe prop? It's just like a <laughs> plastic box. Yes. 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 Yeah, the world's right. worst well, laser rifle. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Well, so the development of that... Wait a minute. Is that the one that was built in a shed by two guys who then pretended no, they weren't no, two no, guys no, in no. a shed? No, 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 no. Unfortunately not. It's funnier that it's not. So... Oh. The... Company Enfield, famous for big wooden rifles of ye olden mm-hmm. days, um, they began work on a new set of weapons in 1969 that was intended to fill the majority of roles that, in an infantry unit. So it was nice. going to be like a short bullpup rifle that would suit a, a, any regular infantry, but it would also be able to fill the role of a light support weapon. Do you know what it? Um, do you know what it really reminds me of? You know, like the old, the really old, like massive big light telephones you used to get. It's like if someone yes. designed one of those to kill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, the work started in 1969, so yeah. Um, the, they came up with a few prototypes, and they were all, like, the inner workings of them were extremely similar to the Armalite AR-18s. Um, mm-hmm. And they hardly changed any of that through the process because there was a lot of other little things that they could fuck about that were more obvious, like the safety catch or the change lever. Um, Uh-oh, that sounds well, like a problem. Well, funnily enough, the safety catch is about the only part of those weapons that's ever fucking properly worked. Um the reason that they were dicking around with all these little small parts is because no one on the design team, the 20-odd strong design team, had ever fired a rifle in their lives. And, <laughs> and the team changed in totality about three times across the lifetime of the project. Remember, that's 1969 that started. They were originally going to use a proprietary 4.85mm round. Why would you want proprietary ammunition? Well, I, I don't. That boggles as, my mind. Right. So, uh, yeah, there's there's reasons to do it and to not do it. Reasons to okay. do it are if you know you're out in the field or whatever like that, and the enemy takes a fucking supply cache of yours, they can't use they can't any use of the fucking okay. ammunition. Downside is you can't use any of their ammunition. Um, it, it's a it's just stupid, and it depends which way you fall in the argument, basically. But it fell through because the Americans had um, the proprietary five point five six millimeter round. And they managed right. to get that set as the NATO standard in 1980, so we just kind of had to go, oh, okay. But rather than go back to the drawing board and design a new rifle, they just rechambered the thing that they already had to fit the 5.56. Right. 
So 1969 that started, it was finally delivered in 1985 to troops, 16 years after it was initially designed, and it was declared mostly functional in the year 2000. <laughs> Look, David. Many, many of us, many of us, many of us aspire to be barely functional. So. Yeah, yeah. I would love to be declared mostly functional in the year two thousand. Like, I mean, to be fair, I was mostly functional at fifteen. So, like, yeah, that's how it works. So the the A one version of the the L eighty five L eighty five A one came out um, in nineteen eighty five, and everybody said it was a complete piece of shit, and they all fucking hated it. They ran trials in 1986 and 87 in which the legs of the bipod would deploy randomly. The plastic <laughs> on the outside of the weapon, so that's like the cheek piece and the hand guard, the big bakelite bits, they would melt on exposure to insect repellent. Oh, that is the 80s, the 80s thing of all time. Just yeah, random oh, yeah. plastics melting in conjunction because they'd never done any environmental testing. Superb. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've, you've slathered your face in fucking deep to get rid of other mosquitoes and then you rest your. You just rest your head against the weapon where you're sitting watching a point or something like that and then you like, peel half of the weapon away with you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the metal parts of the inside all rusted fast as fucking jungle environments. And, and I quote, the weapons mechanism was highly susceptible to dusty and arctic environments. That's not going to come back with any no. any kickback from that. No, that's not, not something that's going to be important later. No. Anyway, 17th of January 1991, the Gulf War breaks out. It's mostly <laughs> in the desert. Um, Famously a dust-free got, environment. <laughs> yeah. I've got some quotes um, of complaints that were had here. The poor quality plastic furniture fell apart and the gun was damaged easily. The magazine release catch was easily knocked accidentally and dropped the magazine. <laughs> I just love it. I'm like sounds, kicking open like the it door. Works as intended. Yeah, I just, I just yeah. picture them, they, like, they kick open a door and go, all right, motherfuckers, and then the magazine just drops out their fucking gun. Yep. Just... Sorry, what I'm picturing is like a clown gun. Where you just like yes, you, you pointed at someone and pulled the trigger, and like just all bits of it just explode in every direction, with like streamers and confetti. A weapon designed only to be held by Rowan Atkinson and no other man. Mister um, <laughs> Bean does military procurement. <laughs> the catch on the top cover over the gas mechanism was too weak, and it constantly popped open, so it had to be taped down. Um, <laughs> and was, duct- the magazine taping my rifle, fantastic. <laughs> The magazines were supposed to hold 30 rounds, but you could only actually load 26 to 28 rounds in it because the spring was too weak. The magazine was made from aluminium and it would deform if grasped too tightly. The light support <laughs> weapon version of it. Hang on, sorry. So you're sitting there get firing your gun. You accidentally, like, the lever gets knocked. Your magazine falls out. You go, oh, fuck's sake. You grab it. And the force with which you grab it causes it to deform, so you can't get it back in. You, <laughs> That's you could probably great. Get it in. You could probably get it in, but it might stop feeding rounds about halfway through. Um, so, you, <laughs> so, you, so your twenty-six round mag becomes a thirteen round mag. I love to have a gun that you have to like gently whisper into its ear that it's a really good gun actually, and that it does work and it hits all of its targets. Otherwise, it immediately falls apart. Yeah, well, remember that this was also there was another version of it which was a light support weapon version, so a bit longer bipod on the end that was supposed to just basically sustained continued fire to keep the enemy's heads down that also only had a 30 round magazine and it would overheat after you fired about 4 or 5 of them and burst firing <laughs> for sustained periods and by overheat I mean it would begin to melt the plastic around the fucking barrel 
Oh my god! So it's like laying down suppressive fire a mm-hmm. little too early because the pod, the tripod drops down. But then yep. you get it in place, right? Yep. You start firing. You fire mm-hmm. a couple of shots. The magazine falls out. You mm-hmm. pick up the magazine, deform the magazine, stick it back in. Mm-hmm. You've only able to fire another four shots before it jams because you've deformed the magazine. But yep. it's okay because after those four shots, the barrel has melted. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> that is if you hadn't fucked it up when you were cleaning it because... They were a pain in the ass to strip and reassemble, and you could fuck them to the point of having to send them to an armourer for fixing because you put the gas plug back in the wrong way. And the reason for that is the gas plug is just like it's kind of a little rod, and you feed it through a hole, and inside that hole, there is a little circle that you cannot access. That you know, just a little another hole within a hole, and on the plug is a little a little kind of nipple. And if you turn that the wrong way it fits perfectly within that hole and i mean perfectly within that there is no way to get that out without sending it away to an armorer (laughs) (laughs) so you put it you take it apart you clean it you put it all back together you put this little rod in the wrong way around it jams in place and the whole thing's fucked yes um basically it it turns it into you could still fire it but you would have to fire it single shot and recock the weapon every shot and i should also point out the way that it was designed is it can only be fired right-handed and the caulking handle on the first one was such a fucking pain in the ass um that it was not fun to even cock it at all the final thing obviously to bring up there because it was a golf war it kept jamming constantly because it was a shitty rifle it had a shitty mag and it was dusty and none of that was a good combination after all this happened, right, there was a report, like a few years after the Gulf War, I think there was a report leaked to the press, which the Ministry of Defence just kind of pretended wasn't real for a while, that highlighted all of these issues. I actually um, remember that happened. Yeah, and they finally did decide to get it upgraded, which was cheaper than a full reissue of new weapons um, that they knew would work, and we'll come back to that later on, I think, um, for the for the fucking FRES. It was sent to Heckler & Koch in 2000, which... Yeah, it's kind of funny, like German company and all that kind of stuff. But like it was mm-hmm. at the time, it was owned by BAE um, at the time, right enough. And they upgraded two hundred thousand rifles at a cost of four hundred pounds each. But um, I've heard another total cost of the entire upgrade project was ninety-two million pounds. Um, the project had H and K replace or redesign at least the gas piston, gas block, foresight block, the bolt, springs, hammer, pins, magazine release catch, cock and handle, and all of the plastic that would get melted by insect repellent. I, lo- I love my new shipper thesis rifle. It sounds absolutely superb. Yeah. So that's 31 years from the inception of this thing to functional, and that's via the way of multiple deployments, so that you've got all your deployments in the 90s, um, and then you know that's up to the equipment being dog shit, and it was only because that was screamed all the way up the chain and still, no one cared until it ended up being in the news constantly. And it was all our boys <laughs> that managed to get it saved. I mean, of course they, they didn't care, because it's not like anyone could mutiny using those rifles, could they? Very true. I mean, could you could you, con- could you conceivably purposefully make a worse gun? Um, you probably could, yeah. Um, like, I mean, I think the, the M16 was, I think, arguably worse at its start because it was a piece of shit for Vietnam. But... Like, there's loads of examples of shit guns, and I don't want to go into any more detail on the S80, but, like, that that was a complete clusterfuck, and, like, there were lessons to be learned how, how this was a complete clusterfuck, and none of them were learned. And, and none of them we go were back learned. To the FRES. Weird, weird how that keeps fucking happening, isn't it? <laughs> Do you think there's, like, some pacifist comrade, like, who's, like, embedded in, in the military, who's just, like, you know, doing its shit on purpose? 
It, it, I mean, that, that would be one rational explanation. Um, so we're back to the uh, FRES, or no longer the FRES, because that program's been binned. But the army still wants a medium armor APC-style vehicle. Um, so they just change the requirements a bit. They take some of the old technology and some of the PowerPoints that they had before, and they just change the name. And it is now called the Scout SV, and it goes back out to, to tender to different companies. This, by Can the way, I ask is a question. You yeah. said they changed some of the, the old technology. The Did they change some of the old future technology? Like, it's no longer <laughs> enough for it to be the Internet of Things. Now no, it has no, I to mean, run on solar power. Or... These, uh, they were originally supposed to have hybrid engines, um, but they didn't. Oh, which fucking will Elon come back. Musk's going to make the self-driving tank. Is that where we're at? <laughs> uh, like, this is, by the way, something that the MOD uses quite often when its programs like these ones run massively over cost and over time. They just do these Jedi mind tricks. Uh, they just change the program name. So, like, it becomes harder for successive parliaments to trace the history of the uh, future rapid effect system to the Scout SV to the Ajax fighting vehicle platform because nobody associates A and B because they're generally quite thick. Um, apart from people who put that House of Commons report together, because they were actually really good and quite bright. Um, so essentially, a bidding war follows with BAE Systems on one side and General Dynamics on the other. On the other, They both offer very similar sort of death boxes. Um, all track, they would have a 40 millimeter cannon, and they were essentially slight upgrades to existing APC's uh, death boxes from the 90s, the first made in Spain, the one by General D Dynamics, and the other from Sweden, uh, the BAE one. However, okay. and this is an important bit, in contrast to the previous specs for, for the uh, FRES system, there is no call in the specs for hybrid engines, active suspension, protected crew pods, or improved tracks. All these things are deemed to have... Yes, all these things, according to AMOD, would cost too much and delay an already 10-year-behind project even more. You see, the MOD is capable of learning lessons. The lesson it learned was, if you ask for lots of things, you probably just won't get it. Yeah. So, so hang on, hang on. No protected crew pods, so the yes. crew are, are just they can be fucked up. Um, but it won't matter, because we'll all be fucked up anyway, because there's no suspension system, and the tracks are complete shit. So they're getting rattled around inside this thing, and are half dead from being bludgeoned to death against internal walls before they get shot because the walls are made of paper. Well, this that and, right? and it's Did not even ecologically friendly. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Right, that's, I mean, the, this is... that's the thing... Yeah, James, this is essentially the Chekhov's gun I'm putting on stage at the moment, and it will return in the last act, this little paragraph. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Chekhov's, Chekhov's APC fighting vehicle, love it. Uh, wrote uh, a different blog at the time, but also from Think Defense um, in 2010 already. It is difficult to envisage a force comprising of 30 to 40 ton vehicles uh, being able to rapidly deploy, being mobile on the battlefield without significant combat engineer support, or being stealthy in support of the reconnaissance missions as defined by UK armed forces. So again, this is Chekhov's gun number two that I would just gently place on the stage for Act 5 of our little play. Well, you can't um, have a Chekhov's gun two until you've had 30 I, years of it. Fuck off Chekhov's gun one fucking up and being deployed, redeployed. Yeah. The amazing thing is that... Chekhov's gun has melted. So this... <laughs> um, this is also, by the way, it's 2010, so it's election season. Um, and because generally you don't make very big military spending uh, agreements very close to the elections because the obvious, you know, electoral consequences, 
Um, the MOD is under significant pressure to make a decision before this six-week deadline. And about seven weeks before the deadline, they do make a decision. And General Dynamics um, gets the contract right before PERDA, right before the deadline, just so, you know, by accident, uh, the, the government of the time. I think that's still Blair in 2000. Yeah, that's Brown, Brown. in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they were able to announce, hey, you know, we have these amazing uh, contracts. Uh, General Dynamics wins, says the new um, Scout SV will be British to its bootstraps and will also generate, and let's see if you can remember this number, 10,000 new jobs. Mm. That's a, hmm. Uh, it, perpetually ten, if, if you promise 10,000 new jobs, but you already promised them a long time ago, do those go- jobs still count as new? Sure, <laughs> it's why like not? tree Fuck falls it. in the forest. Um, why yeah. not? It, you know? Also, as a consequence, because BAE system does not get the contract, it shuts its site in Leicester and a couple hundred jobs are lost over there. Um, however, <laughs> Im- important bit, and this is the third of many guns that I'm placing on stage, uh, the turret of this... of us at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the turret of this new vehicle, the Scout SV, um, would be shared with a different vehicle the Army's also failing to design and will be subcontracted out to Lockheed Martin. Once again, that will come back later. Um, at the same time, they also announced that this is a new contract. We've wasted $133 million on the first... Uh, fast rapid um, express system or whatever it's called I can't remember (laughs) Um, uh, and this is now a 500 million quid contract only for the demonstration and manufacturing phase so not for the actual uh, delivery phase and by the same time the army is already leaking that these things will not be ready in five years um, and they will therefore not be able to replace the Land Rovers and other shite they're using in um, Afghanistan at the time Oh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, that they'd be out by 2015 anyway, right? We wouldn't be in Afghanistan in 2015. <laughs> no, so no, 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 sure, certainly not. Certainly yeah, I was going to say, one weird trick to get your military hardware in, in places where you need it is just to perpetually be at war in the place that you need the military equipment for. <laughs> uh, so now we're in October of the same year, and the election's been and gone, and it's now we're in the Cameron years, so now it's austerity season. And the, um, yeah, and the MOD has to make some cuts uh, because its budget is reduced. It has to make a choice between um, three of its major weapon systems, which one gets the, the scrap heap. Um, which of your children do you love the least? <laughs> yes. Um, but that's either these things, so the, the, the scout class of vehicles, the carriers, or a new battleship the Navy was building as well called the Future Surface Combatant. Tom uh, Clancy's future surface combatant. <laughs> yeah, Tom Clancy. <laughs> it sounds like a kitchen cleaner. Uh, <laughs> Tom Clancy's future surface combatant. Two squirts and you'll get grease right off. Kills 99% of bacteria. Uh, well, it, uh, the, the future... Asterisk, sur- 86%. Asterisk, okay, actually only 34%. <laughs> Um, the future surface combatant does not make the cut. Um, the, however, the Navy had already invested about two billion and had built like two hulls that were mostly done. I think we sold those to Norway and then lost two billion on the deal um, in total. <laughs> Wait, they so, cost two billion and they lost two billion. Incredible. No, they cost even more. We lost two billion overall. All right. I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. So the, the 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 army gets a new uh, cost pro- uh, projection. Um, wherein General Dynamics says these things will cost somewhere between 3 billion and 16 billion in total over the <laughs> lifespan. 
Um, <laughs> well, that is, you know that their accounting unit and their like project management and delivery unit is good at their job when it's like, how much it will cost? Uh, somewhere between three billion and several orders larger than that. Yeah. Just uh, they've amazing. sent a plumber over to the meeting and they've just walked in and went, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So at the same time, there's an article in the Telegraph about the uh, future rapid effect system, which is now being officially cancelled, but being just rebranded as the Scouters V. Do you um, think every time every time they rebrand this project, like they they get the new people in to do it, and they, the first thing they do is come in and go, "You had a bunch of cowboys put this together, didn't you?" <laughs> yeah. And yet it's somehow the same group of fuckers. Uh, pretty much, um, uh, said an anonymous uh, Defense Department official at the, at the time, the. This armored vehicle project is the definition of everything that is wrong with the MOD's procurement process. No vehicle was ever produced, and the money was spent on salaries for people managing the project, outside consultants, and pay- and paying up some of the costs incurred by the company. So again, you know, this is also the NAO agrees as well. Uh, by now, we've spent 862 million quid on this new project, Um and nobody in the army, when asked, can explain what exactly this 162 quid, where the money went. There's no receipts. Um, it, is, it really is fascinating how this happens over and over and over and over again. The exact same fucking story, whether it's the F-35, whether it's this piece of shit, whether it's like an aircraft carrier or like a single gun. And yet, we have decided (laughs) that no, this is the way that things must be, because otherwise, what would BAE do? Where would they get all of their money from? And we can't have those um, 10,000 jobs that they all seem perpetually to be repackaging and reselling to us. They might go away. It's uh, it's like a shocking lack of professionalism to just have no receipts. Do you know what I mean? You (laughs) think they could at least like provide receipts for stuff that... The well, the well receipts, even of this the well receipts, but there was nothing to show for them. Is the point? <laughs> like down to like down to like the petrol station and trying to get them to print off a receipt for sixteen billions worth of like unleaded or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, so now we're in two thousand eleven. Uh, the Scout SV is in its uh, design phase, um, and the National Audit Office comes back with another another audit of the. Uh, MOD trying to purchase armored vehicles. I'll read a brief line from the conclusion. The department's standard acquisition process for armored vehicles is not working. There is poor accountability for long-term equipment projects. Overall spend on all classes of armored vehicles since 1998, it is at $1.1 billion, um, but without any good effect. So not only is like this particular class the FRES or Scout uh, not delivering. None of them are delivering. There are several other projects that I won't go into that are going in at the same on at the same time. None of them have been delivered. We could have just given one point one billion to Jamie, and it would have had the same. Net it effect. would have had way more positive uh, effects. However, the well, NAO I, I is absolutely agree. <laughs> the NAO um, is extremely accurate in its prediction that none of the things in the pipeline, including the Scout SV, promised to be ready by 2017, will be ready until 2024, 2025 at the earliest. That turns out pretty much bang on the money in 2011. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, can we can we go back to this in like 2024, 25? Probably, and just see yeah. see where are they now? <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> um, 
The NAO also notes that the British Army, in because it's so good at learning lessons, frequently mm. depends on integrating advanced but immature technologies, you know, say uh, advanced web things in 1998, from the design stage, where there is no clear and compelling argument for such technologies to be integrated during the vehicle design. The department should have a default position of purchasing off-the-shelf equipment that works, which could be ingrated, upgraded in the future if necessary. Oh, what do you want to bet that they learned many, the lessons from that report? How many of these like uh, armored fighting vehicle projects do you think they had to scrap when Flash Player was discontinued? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm genuinely wondering how many, like, you know, we're talking about resources 1.1 billion. I want to know how much of that went into kilos and, like, how much they snorted when you're coming up with these designs. Because <laughs> it's got the same energy as the Cursed Woods Development Committee kind of thing, where it's like, oh, it's going to have a spaceport kind of stuff, except for fighting vehicles. Right. Do you know it's... what? I've, I've really got to say, like, uh... As someone who's only ever had to, like, design something to fight something else in the context of, say, Stellaris, it seems to me that <laughs> these people might learn a thing or two from playing Stellaris and having to design a ship that actually does something. It's like, you know, it's it isn't... <laughs> I want this thing to do this specific job, and okay, I'm going to build this many because I need this many. You say and all this, <laughs> but I've played Space Engineers with you, and I wouldn't fucking trust you anywhere near a spaceship, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if you it, like, if if you were going to build those drones that suicide bomb people, yeah, that I, that I would like put in your hands. Do you know what I mean? More than capable for that. Look, uh, I'm not a pilot. I'm an engineer. Right. So it's we're now going into 2012, and it's time for the army to look at its mission and think. You know what we wanted to do in the past with all the peacekeeping and why we got this medium uh, weight vehicle in the first place. And we're not really into that anymore. Um, we are now in the future land operating concept we phase of the army. We bought all those smoke alarms and we haven't had a single fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the future land operating concept, which is the new sort Compliance. of overall philosophy of the army, uh, Fu- drops the, the entire... Sorry, the, run that by me again. The future what? The future land operating concept. Fuck off. <laughs> it sounds like a design document for a new kind of theme park. That doesn't <laughs> mean Tom Clancy. It's Tom Clancy. It's Tom Clancy becomes a buy to let landlord. We are now. <laughs> we are now going to deploy the abstract concept of of war. Uh, is the MOT has it just been taken over by art school grads or something? <laughs> it definitely feels like a kind of. So what are you doing for your presentation? Oh, I've got this. I've got this piece. I call it the Futureland Operating Concept. It's wild. I think it's going to go down well. Right. And so the, uh, yeah. yeah. So so the entire concept of the medium weight intervention for which we started building these things or should have been started building these things back in 1998 is dropped because that's not what we're interested in anymore. Um, mm-hmm. The new focus is on precision attacks, cyber, and terrorisms. Um, this is the big sort of headline stuff. So I you'd think... They're retraining well, that... in cyber. Yes, they are retraining. <laughs> exactly, they're retraining in cyber. Retraining the army in cyber, Jesus Christ. So, oh my God. obviously, if you read this new concept, and I've skinned it a little bit, there's no more reason for these medium weight things to be built in bulk anymore. However, about five minutes after this future land operating concept is released, the MOD releases another press release and says that despite the entire operational things for these things existing uh, being toast, the Scout's uh, utility vehicle will still be built. However, they do change their mind a little bit about what it should be. 
um, because it's no longer meant to be light and transportable and do peacekeeping. Um, they want it to be much more heavier armored and have more kit. So instead of being sort of medium weight and be, being able to fly in an aircraft, it will be much fatter and have much more shit bolted to it. Yeah, exactly. What that smacks of is we don't really know what war's supposed to be anymore, but we yeah. had a good idea during the Cold War. Let's just yeah. fall back on and, that. And again, what you see what they're doing is they're fighting the last war again and again. You know, like it, it, they're not looking forward to looking backward and projecting into the future. There's also, I have to say, like making it fatter and heavier seems like it goes really well with your new focus on precision attacks and terrorism. Yes. Like that feels like that's a good kind of synergy there. Yeah. No, they're As in someone on, in a meeting on, on used the word synergy. Focusing on other people doing precision attacks and terrorism on them. <laughs> if we make the target bigger bulkier and heavier then it'll be easier to yeah okay that right. works so that the, tracks right so the scout uv will still be built no problem right it's now 2013 and general dynamic announces reductions at its workforce uh, in plants across the uk and closes its uk headquarters cutting 40 percent of the total workforce despite the promise uh, of 10,000 jobs i was gonna um, say out of curiosity how, how much roughly in terms of jobs do you know do you know what that is <laughs> Uh, not off the top of my head, sorry. Um, it's it's 4,000. But... <laughs> uh, control of all armoured vehicle production, including the Scout UV, moves to the main facilities they have in the United States because it's a US company. Uh, in the same year, um, General Dynamic also has to pay fines to Lockheed Martin because they didn't give them updated information about how they were designing the vehicle and Lockheed Martin can't build the turret and the gun without knowing these specifications. This is a massive uh, delay. And also admits that the MOD's new demands for uh, for a fatter vehicle with more armor is causing additional delays. Um, I think one of the papers at the same time does a freedom of information request and the MOD has already admits that the costs have risen from 500 to 600 million pounds but doesn't explain why. I can't work out where that extra hundred million goes. It just goes. They keep sending back the blueprints with a bigger and bigger ass on the tank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's now, we move forward again. It's now 2014. Uh, General Dynamic does another press release saying that despite of the initial idea of having like a thousand of these vehicles, we're only now going to have 600 of them. Uh, so it's another, oh, another big... 40% cut. Yeah, um, but they will still be worth three and a half billion worth of absolute horseshit. In the same press release, by the way, they note that the jobs proudly created in this program is now down to 1,300 from 10,000. So goodbye, 8,700 <laughs> jobs. Um, but of course, this is a new, totally new program, and the press is easily bamboozled because they're all fucking idiots, as is the government, by the way. Um, the then Defense Secretary Michael Fallon announces today's multi-billion pound contract is fantastic news for our soldiers. They'll have the most technologically advanced uh, armored fighting vehicles and that will overcome future threats. It's the biggest single order uh, placed by the MOD for armored vehicles for around 30 years. It's not because we tried it first in 1998. <laughs> it's the biggest fine. order since we last placed this order. <laughs> <laughs> It is also excellent news for the supply chain and will sustain 1,300 engineering jobs in the across the UK in key defense industries. Again, nobody mentions that 8,700 hypothetical jobs are gone. Uh, there's yeah, a new we're, not even, we're not even creating new jobs now. We're just like keeping some of them that we used to have. 
Uh, yeah. Um, so the delivery is now to be done somewhere between 2017 and 2024. This is the new deadline, uh, what we're going for. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love handing in my homework in a time span of seven years. That's it's great. Um, so, yeah, we're now down to 600 from the original thought of getting 1,200, which is what the army originally wanted. I do um, like the idea of being like seven years into your deadline and being like, Oh fuck! Yeah. We actually need to deploy something. <laughs> Shit. So I have a question: Does this vehicle is it still modular? Is it still going to fill? Yes, it's rooms, still the idea or? is that it's modular, um, but but not as but not as modular. Yeah, no, no, no. They're more modular because the previous version was supposed to have five variants. Um, and oh no, sorry, the, the original order was twelve hundred vehicles in eight variants, and now we're getting six hundred of them in four variants. So it's still that the idea of the modularity sticks around. We just choose to have less variants, essentially. Unfortunately, the cuts have had to be made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's now 2015, and still none, nothing has been delivered by General Dynamic and or its subcontractors. Not a demo vehicle, nothing is there. It still only exists on paper and in design phase. Um, but fort- in a fortunate bit of Jedi mind wiping, the MOD and General Dynamic rebrand the program again. The Scout SV and the future rapid effect systems are now gone. We are now in the Ajax phase. This is now the Ajax medium I love Ajax. Vehicle. Yeah, it's great. Um, in did another they break- it, Did they name it after the war rocket from Flash Gordon? Or. Uh- <laughs> In another break from tradition, uh, much like the name change, um, the other armoured vehicles in the UK Army all tended to be named after dogs, different varieties. This one is not. They will, the, the Ajax, the basic platform... I'm sure the someone variants. somewhere has a dog called Ajax. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all the variants are now named after Greek gods. Uh, the Ajax-Athena is the command and control one. The Ajax-Argus is the engineering one. The Ajax-Ares is the APC one, etc., etc. We're now back from... <laughs> The Ajax Dash Argos, well, the one you can buy furniture and electronics from. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Wi Fi is for. Um, but we are back, fortunately, now back up to nine variants for the 589 vehicles. So we've dropped another <laughs> so one. So we've invented a new one from the original order. Yes, yes. So hang on, hang on. So we've gone up in variants, but we've gone down in number of actual vehicles yes. to be delivered <laughs> just neatly there. As the, as the, also, that, that makes it can, sound like they're on, that, like, you know, oh, we're, we're going to do like 605 variants, but now there's nine variants because there's nine, like we're ordering yeah. nine and they can't build them all the same. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the name change to the Greek gods thing is because we went, all right, there's some Tory minister is in who's classically educated. I guess we'll change the name to appeal to them specifically. <laughs> do you think that was going on at any point? It's either that or it's all tragedy. <laughs> I was going to say, you could probably bamboozle most of the fucking. Um, oh, yeah, no, no. I mean, they're all. Involved by buying them like a really nice set of micro machines. um anyway so not only does the name change the army also changes its mind again remember before we were in this phase of fighting terrorisms and precision now we're back to essentially 1998 with the future force 2025 army grand strategy future force Um, fucking (laughs) that's just that's like off-brand tom clancy that isn't it the future force (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah the army is now once again interested in what they're calling strike brigades 
i.e. medium-sized vehicles that can deploy rapidly for peacekeeping purposes, you know. <laughs> and oh, and I, I, got really, I got really excited for a second. Strike brigades, let's fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. No, the other, the other kind of strike. Mm. Um, but in, in a sort of austerian David Cameron-style twist of the thing, what he says what would be the best thing, if these things could self-deploy for thousands of kilometers with a much lower logistics footprint. Is he telling these tanks to fucking pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Yes, he is. Yeah, get, get, <laughs> get on their bike and go to the war zone. <laughs> Unfortunately, the bike has been found to need lots of work before it's deployable in a battlefield. Yeah. And the, the Ajax vehicle and the platform is at the core of these new strike brigades, which is all eerily similar to the original concept developed in 1998, but it's back in POG form. Um, in 2016, there's a first ever live fire test. They make one. There's a production, there's a, a design model. How hard is it to build a prototype? They could surely just buy like a transit van and sell a tape some fucking like uh, scaffolding <laughs> pipes to the top and say that's the cannon. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, this is essentially what the NAO keeps saying: like, just buy one that exists that works, and then just do some upgrading. But the army doesn't want that because yeah. they want their if very me, special if, little. If tank. The, army, mates... the army doesn't want a transit van with some scaffolding pipes gaffer tape to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If me and my mates could go go down to a hill in Surrey and fire fucking fireworks out of a drain pipe with like a mask on, uh, <laughs> I don't see how it's so difficult. To be honest. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the first ever live fire test of the Ajax, previous Scout, previous Efres, um, occurs a mere 18 years since uh, the concept of these things was first dreamed up. This, by the way, was an unmanned test. There was no one in the vehicle. That once That's more guns being placed on the uh, stage. Um, Back, we're on to 2000 and, we're back on to 2017 now, and the government says, hooray, at long last, the Ajax will be delivered to the 1st Regiments in 2019. Uh, this is Harriet Baldwin is now the Defense Procurement uh, Minister of State. Um, but in another, uh, in answer to more parliamentary questions from the House of Commons uh, Defense Select Committee, the government confirms that because they wanted it fatter and heavier, uh, with more shit on it, if you remember. The Ajax um, can still sort of barely fit inside the UK Army's um, <laughs> This transport. ass is too fat. Yes, um, <laughs> it can barely fit inside the existing transport aircraft, but significant parts, i.e. the turret, may need to be taken off because otherwise it is too fat to go inside. But the ass is too big and the dong is too long. <laughs> Colonel, I'm trying to fit inside the transport vehicle, but the clapper might... <laughs> now you might ask well, yourself how uh, if you know in the year previously when David Cameron said they will self-deploy for thousands of kilometers how are they going to do that if they can't even get that fat ass probably inside a military transport um, thing however um, contradicting the government in, in, in a different series of statements a little bit later um, the Major General Robert Rice says that now the Ajax is making progress, but will enter service in 2020. So not in 2019 and definitely not in 2017 as planned. But he's very optimistic for the rest. Um, the cost estimate for production now is um, 4.5 billion, by the way. So the number, number go up. And in a different article at The Telegraph, if you recall from a previous gun I placed on stage, Already at this stage in uh, 2000, well, where are we now? 2017, the Telegraph reports that there are real problems with vibration and noise inside the new Ajax. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Is this another one of those things where it's been designed by someone who's never been near a tank? <laughs> 
I'm not sure as to the exact who designed it, but I, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, you know, for something for something without any suspension, it really is keeping us in suspense. Yes, well, we're, I can't we're wait about to, hear to when the, this drops. The, the curtain is about to, to fall. We're just taking one brief interlude in the years 2018 and 20 because it's all boring. It's just under construction and testing, etc. But there is another press release. Um, from the MOD proudly stating the Ajax program is sustaining hundreds of jobs in Wales as well as thousands across the UK. Undefined thousands and hundreds. At last count, the total number was 1,300. So, yeah. Yeah. That's technically (laughs) correct. Yes. (laughs) Those numbers could indeed be true. Right. So now we're on to... to the present day, it's 2021, and the army, at very long last, gets its first sight of an Ajax. Um, only one variant. The other ones still don't work. It's only the Ares, <laughs> the APC version, that's ready. But we're getting some. We're getting six in total. So since 19... 19- <laughs> oh, After all of that, it's six. Yes. Like six. Six variants or six vehicles. No, six individual vehicles. Sorry. <laughs> And Those, how many variants? Just the one? Uh, I think still there's Just the five, one so far. I think. Uh, but in one variant, the one variant that works is the Ares one. That's the APC. And that one specifically works because that's the one without a turret. Well, um, well right. We see, we see that it works, right? We but, see that it works. And if you but, remember um, the, the first gun I placed on stage uh, from the 2010 spec change, um, no hybrid engine, no active suspension, no protected crew pod, no improved tracks because that would have cause delays and you know you don't want delays oh oh, i dread to think what the delays would have been like with all of those things (laughs) right so an amazing article and this is where we get back to this is a thing that scott linked in the patreon which has got me started down this fucking rabbit hole um there's a the telegraph publishes a a, a relatively brief article uh, from a internal army report on the state of the ajax after uh more than 20 years 20 23 years of total development now across the vehicles. Um, There are some issues with it. I'll just run you through them. Um, The suspension and noise uh, inside, the suspension is terrible and the noise is catastrophic, quote unquote. (laughs) I love love noise to be catastrophic. (laughs) Uh, According to a slightly different piece on the same topic in the sun, the problem with the noise is so bad that even noise cancelling headphones do not work for soldiers inside the Ajax. And oh my all, god! <laughs> and all soldiers who have been in an Ajax for any significant number of time must submit to a hearing test. <laughs> oh no! So, so what is this meant to do against the enemy again? Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to take the it's supposed to take the trips to the enemy. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. But this is this is like my favorite part. So, like they've they've clearly pivoted back to big heavy machinery, right? Big heavy fucking vehicles. And what, what do we want? Yeah, what do we want big heavy vehicles for? We wanted that for the Cold War, where all the tanks and armored carriers and shit would all meet on the Fulda Gap, and like they would do battle there, and whoever took that won the Cold War when it went hot or whatever shit. Now, the Fulda Gap is an area in Germany that's about 124 miles across by road. Yeah, it's it's a it's like near the the old border between the GDR and the D, and the uh, BRD. Yeah, so. 124 miles. This troop should not spend more than 90 minutes inside of this. At because a time otherwise they get break. too sick. And, 
and it should not go faster than 20 miles per hour. Holy shit. If you were to cross the Fulda Gap and make sure that your troops got all the fucking correct time, it would take four breaks across that six-hour trip at 20 miles an hour to (laughs) reach the other side. (laughs) Rapid response vehicle. Uh, if you want to, if you want to know, by the way, what happens if you stay inside the Ajax too long as a soldier? Uh, symptoms include nausea, swollen joints, and tinnitus. <laughs> oh, tinnitus! You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so basically, they've invented a fucking paint can shaker on wheels to put soldiers in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes, um, but not only over the do course like- of twenty-three years and. Four billion or whatever. Yeah, at least. So hang on. In in theory, then we spent twenty three years, right, to take a soldier and move him one hundred and twenty four miles over the course of six hours, not including break times. Yes, hearing damage. Yes, that's not including break times. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got you got to let him out have a way, you know. Well, I mean, the problem we must be clear: the problem is not only for like the soldiers riding in the back. Um, the problem is also that if you were to mount the gun on top, which doesn't work and doesn't fit still, but you know, let's leave that aside. Uh, in the trial ones, they did do where they sort of bolt, managed to bolt it on. The Ajax vibrates so much that it cannot fire its main cannon while moving. <laughs> oh, this fucking this fucking cursed vehicle that vibrates so hard that if you bring any live ammunition onto it, it instantly fires. Well, not only is vibration a problem, um, it cannot essentially re- it cannot reverse over obstacles that are more than twenty centimeters high. Fucking! This is an APC, right? Yes, yes. meant to be yes. in theory. <laughs> I love to put a ruler on the field behind the APC and then trap it in. <laughs> and I couldn't quite... I tried to work... I tried to Wait, find... Oh, a, my God. A, a, I'm sorry, but how, how, how tall was a traffic cone? Taller. taller it's taller than 20 centimetres. Yeah. Okay, just checking. For, I think for they're about 50 centimetres usually or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would probably be fine rolling over something like that, but you put a fucking medium-sized small rock behind that yes. and yeah. it's fucked. <laughs> and I tried to find a, a specific reason uh, why they couldn't do more than 20 centimeters. I couldn't find one, but there is significant speculation that because it become now so fat that the engine cannot handle reversing, it, it, it can't give the oomph to go from stationary to backwards yeah. over 20 centimeters because it's now so fat. Which, funnily it, enough, if it had a hybrid engine in it, it would be, have it electric motors that would possibly be able to actually do that. <laughs> oh no! I invented I invented a tank with an ass too big to to back this it up. Is, right, this is actually genuinely awful because just from an operational perspective, if this thing drives into an unseen ditch that's just a little bit too low. Yep, that's it. Yes, you yep. can't get it out. <laughs> Pretty much. Sorry, yeah. I'm sure one of the many variants has like a tow bar on the front or something. Uh, the engineering variant well, does, but that's it not can't ready. reverse, David. <laughs> oh shit! Never mind. It's going to be a tow bar on the back. <laughs> now there are some additional flaws in this thing which weren't picked up by the Telegraph or the Sun, but I did find in the once again the amazing House of Commons report obsolescent and outgunned the British Army armored vehicle capability. Obsolescence and you, the UK <laughs> Army. Well, huge. It's essentially right. Um, it, it now weighs in at 42 or 43 tons, which, by the way, is more than a uh, main Churchill main battle tank that we built in World War II. Um, 
And according to the BBC, during the design phase, the MOD and who, I don't know how exactly this worked, they added on 19 tons of weight in total to this, uh, to this thing. Uh, so it was designed to be about half the size at first, but we just kept bolting more shit on. So the question is, of course, is if it weighs more than a World War II Churchill tank, is it still um, useful as a reconnaissance vehicle, given that it also can't back up and shakes its soldiers to death? Uh, and can it still do, like, stealthy scouting? <laughs> I'm just picturing, sorry, we're just, you know, middle of the night, and, you know, the watchman is, like, on duty, and he just hears, like, six miles away, this fucking rattling noise coming can. across the horizon <laughs> towards him. And then it, it, it stops, like, three miles out, and he just hears the sound of people being violently ill before climbing back inside, and it rattles closer yet again. The fucking, the Sibian fighting vehicle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just just so you get a sense of reference, uh, its predecessor, specifically the Scout vehicle, which is known as the Scimitar, uh, weighs under eight tons. This thing weighs more than five times as much as the predecessor Scout vehicle. And you might think, well, that doesn't sound very good. And it isn't because in the same House of Commons report, they ask, well, what would happen if we put this brigade, if, if we had enough and if they worked, which they don't, but if we put them up against a similar Russian tank division, because they're supposed to be in the MOD's thinking, they're supposed to be force equal, right? But the problem is, because it's not stealthy or agile, you can very easily spot it with drones and satellites, and Russia in particular in the last couple of years has gotten extremely good at spotting shit with drones and then blowing it up with artillery. So, okay, I'm sorry, yeah. but it's extremely funny to me, this idea of like, oh yeah, we want to build this tank, oh, not tank, whatever the fuck it is at this point, with super cool future technology that can like Wi-Fi hack into your into the enemy soldiers' brains and shit. And yet you got Russia who are like, oh yeah, just drones, mate. Yeah, uh, drones and, big, drones and, 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 and artillery. And a big gun. So, yeah, like, if, it weighs, if it weighs so much already, why don't they just build a house around it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just camouflage it like... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it has an, and you know, as I said, well, why don't you just shoot? Why don't you just shoot the drones See, down? I mean, that's another alternative, right? Like you just get rid of them. Unfortunately, the UK, the whole UK army does not currently have, quote unquote, a credible short-range air defense tool. So remember those suicide drones we started the episode what, with? What they should do is they should build a patio on the front of the tank and just have a guy out there on a lawn chair with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then what rifle, Jamie? They'd be there for years. Um, <laughs> I'd have to borrow one from abroad, I would assume. Like, just bring his own. <laughs> <laughs> ah, giving new jobs to Appalachia, finally. Um, yeah, so um, testifying in front of the uh, house <laughs> on so Picturing it now like the fucking fighting vehicle and it's got a bunch of, like, fucking Vikings on, stood on the top with spears. <laughs> <laughs> um so in, in the question of like, could our fancy new things, if they worked, which they don't, uh, new uh, medium weight divisions actually stand up against a Russian tank division, uh, retired Brigadier General Ben Barry expressed severe doubts about that as a Russian division, you know, that is supposed to be equal, would have at least three times the number of main battle tanks and four times the number of artillery. But these medium weight things that cannot reverse and make our troops violently ill are supposed to go toe to toe with four times main battle tanks and four times the artillery. I mean, it's just bollocks, though, isn't it? 
<laughs> it, it does also have some other problems. I already mentioned it can't be the carried. British government, the British government exists to spunk money up the wall. That's basically their fucking purpose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, it's like, I mean, oh as- yeah, we need to be able, we need to be able to fight Russia. Oh fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It's not the I mean, 50s that, they, anymore. Yeah, they would love to get into a fucking ground war, but then what What then is like the question, yeah. and they just don't ever want to... I mean, whether, you know. whether or not we fight the Russians, but essentially like all Western armies, when they look at their armor, their question is always, would this stack up against the Russians or the Chinese? That's like the sort of the base equivalent. Whether or not that's a good idea, probably not, but that's kind of... But like even according to like the army's own metrics... It, it, it just it will not do that. It it will just get blown out of the fucking water if we did actually end up fighting in the folly camp. Um, as I said, it can also uh, not really be caf- carried acro- uh, aboard transport aircraft without being partially dismantled. Um, and among the other Rapid things, which I found response, uh, which I found amazing, is in these new strike brigades. You know the whole new core concept. Um, it, the, the accompaniment is the boxer, which is an infantry vehicle just on normal wheels. But it can't. The Ajax can't keep up with them because the Boxer is significantly faster. It can travel at more than twenty miles an hour without making everybody violently ill. So this We're thing doing was... reverse Blitzkrieg, yes. where the armor can't keep up with the troops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just wanted to pick up one more gun that I left on the stage earlier, which is the turret, where the thing that's supposed to be bolted on top, so like a couple of these variants can shoot a 40 millimeter gun. Um, but again, according to the House of Commons Select Committee, um, the guns are still so complex and next generation, by which they mean stupid, it doesn't work, uh, that they still don't work when there are people inside it. <laughs> It, 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 the gun, the gun, like the explosion of the gun, and the way the turret would like backfire, as all things do, you can't do that when people are inside the tank, inside the armored vehicle, Rob, inside the Ajax. Rob, are you trying to tell me that this vehicle has like a number eleven vibration setting? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I'm just picturing like the, there must have been a testing that were like right, okay, time to test it out, and like right, fire it, and the main cannon fires, and like. All right, that looks pretty good. And then they go and open up the tank, and the poor crash test dummies were fucking pureed, <laughs> yeah, just uh, reduced to a fine mist, <laughs> and equal homogenate just spread around the inside of the thing. To be fair, after being shaken around for several hours and vomiting and having tinnitus, it might be preferable to be exploded mm. inside your own tank. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine if we could actually use any of our like propensity for, for stupid boondoggles and actually accidentally invent something like a death ray that turns all the or like the or enemy army like, into chocolate or something or just build fucking houses or just you know don't do austerity and give people oh, money oh, that's all that's all been done before but have you ever built a tank that vibrates your own soldiers to death i think not <laughs> um but what and the most amazing thing house? is like the army is so insistent yeah. on these magical turrets that don't work um, that they could have just bought like an existing turret off the shelf that the the Spanish and the Danish and the Germans use that fits perfectly well on the current model, but they don't want to do it because they want their magic turret built by Lockheed Martin and and the company in Germany, which t- doesn't work. So like even still now they're not replacing the shit that doesn't work and like turns your soldiers into paste with something that is proven technology and does work. What worth noting by the way that um the the SAA 
that I was talking about. Um, I said work began in 1969. Actually, work had already begun on this before. Um, in the 40s, learning all <laughs> the kind of lessons and wish lists from World War Two. But the um, the rifles that they created, um, they fired seven millimeter cartridges. But NATO took on seven point six two millimeter as the standard because the Americans oh, wanted it. But rather than being dickheads and insisting on having their own special thing, the British Army just ended up licensing the the Belgian made FN FAL, and that gave us the SLR, which was a perfectly reliable weapon that we bought from elsewhere. That any British soldier that has fired both the SLR and the SAA will tell you the SLR was a lot better. <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean, sure, it's, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, not, this not, lesson hasn't been learned since like not. the 50s or some shit. I mean, oh, well, it, well, at least they'll finally like figure out how to stop pureeing their soldiers by what, 2045? Maybe? <sighs> Something like that, early, mate. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, according to the BBC, which is a piece that came out yesterday, um, these things will still not be ready for deployment until at least 2023 or 2024, exactly as the National Audit Office predicted more than 10 years ago now. <laughs> Um, I'll uh, yeah, I'll just two more quick things. Just by the way, just so you get an idea of this is not always the way it goes. I mean, the U.S. is a profligate waste when it comes to arms production, etc. As well, but when they announced uh, their own version of striker brigades with new medium-sized vehicles, they began like at, from the speech that announced these things to an actual rolling around working armored vehicle in four years. Four. <laughs> Um, yes, but is theirs, is theirs too heavy to put on a plane and does it like fucking oscillate? I think theirs is also a bit of a piece of shit, but it's, it's nothing on the level of literally vibrates your organs to death. <laughs> like, no point in the design specs did it say this also vibrates at the resonance frequency of human blood. Do you think are putting it together? They said, right, we want we want a vehicle that can kill people. And that was that's a problem. The spec was just wrong. And they didn't specify exactly how that was meant to work out. Yeah, Actually, a robot finally designed, designed, designed the perfect killing machine. Alas, uh, this was the outcome. Um, I'll read you one last bit from the House of Commons Defence Committee review, Obsolescent and Out Guns, which, by the way, is fantastic reading. And we do shit a lot of Parliament, and they deserve it. But this fucking thing is an amazing piece of work. And, you know, I I don't recommend that everybody reads it, but, you know, it, it, people there are doing their actual job as MPs. So I do want to give some credit where it is genuinely due. Um, this is from their conclusions. We are concerned that the Ministry of Defence, and in particular Defence Equipment and Support, may not have technically sufficient capable qualified staff to manage the multiple armoured vehicle procurement and upgrade programmes currently on the way. Given the large amount of taxpayer money at stake and the importance of such programmes for our warfighting capacity, should the nuclear deterrent fail, this appalling situation has now become completely unacceptable and must be rapidly reformed, including, if necessary, by senior management changes in the defense procurement uh, system. So they're calling for heads, none of which have rolled. Um, And of course, they are just repeating what the National Audit Office has said for the last 15 years, that, I mean... The MOD, the Army, and its many, many subcontractors cannot deliver shit if it's not decades late and hundreds of millions, if not billions, uh, run over cost. 
In the meantime, while this shit is not being produced, again, we haven't produced a functional fucking armored vehicle in 20 plus years, shitty legacy vehicles still form the basis of the armed forces. Sometimes, in some cases, they're up to 30, maybe 30 plus years old. So the grandfathers of current squaddies could have been driving the exact same vehicles their grandsons are now. Um, In general, the government itself is not capable of oversight at all because once you criticize an arms procurement program, the opposition will say, well, you know, you're doing Britain down and our boys should have the best. So nobody criticizes it. Labor doesn't... I was going to say, it's in no one's interest to do that, yeah. is it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought, th- I thought we solved, like, uh, military equipment procurement forever when we when we uh, voted no to alternative vote. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's a shout <laughs> I mean, there's and also inside the MOD, uh, there's no permanent oversight. People do like this shit for a little bit and then they move on to the next rank or to the next gig or they get moved to something else. There's nobody in place for like the 10 years or more that these fucking things take to say who have the institutional memory. So there's nobody keeping actual full time track. And especially, I mean, as we've talked about during this recording, the long development times mean that the nature of war fighting or the perception of the nature of war fighting changes. You know, it's we're fighting the Cold War to we're doing peacekeeping enough in Yugoslavia to would need to do, have armor to fight the first Iraq war <clears throat> to we need to do peacekeeping and have anti IED kit for Iraq two and Afghanistan and the occupation. And that means because nothing's ever done, the demands on these things change midstream. And that's why this fucking piece of shit went from 19 tons to 43 tons because the MOD, which can always be seduced with shiny baubles and stupid turrets and connectivity and internet of things and fucking bullshit, they always add more shit on and change their demands down the line. And it creates insane problems like the fucking Ajax, which pace their own shoulders if it's not rattling them to death. I mean, it's just dream, dream big budget shite. It's it's so fucking British, all of it. And it's not just this thing, it's every other <laughs> it fucking... Might, it might be a terrible dog shit tank that purees its occupants, but it's a British tank. Yeah, it's British to its bootstraps, which, you know, is a fucking slogan and a half. And, you know, don't just think that this is just this one class. No armored vehicle has been uh, produced. Another one that I sort of read tangentially, but I won't bore you with the details, there was going to be a different vehicle made that also lasted 10 years that's been announced this month that the warrior upgrade a whole different thing i won't explain it has also been cancelled after 10 years um of development and god knows how much sunk cost this is by the way after the uh nimrod maritime patrol aircraft that was supposed to keep britain's coast safe and keep us safe from nuclear submarines was scrapped after we spent four billion on it but no single plane was up in the sky what the what the fuck is going on in the MOD? Like, what? <laughs> it's called business as usual. That's it. That's it. This is what it's for. This is exactly what it's for. Well, I mean, that's what snafu means, right? Anyway, Rob, now you've got that off your chest, how do you feel? <laughs> I feel very bad. I feel very s- sad. <laughs> I, you know, it's like... What I, I mean, I, I I DM'd you this a bunch of times when we were like when when I was doing the research for this. I was just like, I, what are they doing over there, and why are they, why are they doing it? And if it's so That's... stupid, and if it's so inefficient, why can we not just give Jamie the goddamn money? 
Well, they spunk them up the wall. That's what they do. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's the point. That's it. Business they, as usual. Like, this is what it's for. If they actually delivered a bunch of like fucking high tech, like Tom Clancy shit to the army, then shareholders wouldn't like buy the fifth house or whatever. So, anyway, are we gonna um, we're gonna take this episode out and put a bullet in it because it feels yes. like it's run its course. Yes. Well, we've we've been we've been trying for a while, but the gun kept jamming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're, we're gonna deploy it in a theater it's not suited to, and let nature take its course. Um. <laughs> So, we have upcoming um, a regular episode next week, a cultural committee episode next week, actually. So, look forward to that, where we talk about cop shows. And then, also, the following week, we will have our first bonus episode out. Yes. So, look forward to that. And, yeah. Sign I up. Think... Sign up to the Patreon to access that one. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash PraxisCast. And you can... For the for the low low price of five pounds a month, you can throw maddening articles at Rob and watch his descent up close. <laughs> you can indeed do that. Although the topic for the premium has already been selected, and I can promise you, if you thought this drove me insane, wait until you hear the premium episode. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't if you don't want to pay for the Patreon to see the, to get the bonus episode, just bung me fifty quid on PayPal and I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheerio, folks. Bye-bye. See ya. Cheers.